0: Ladies and gentlemen Ali,
1: a sneaky right hand
2: Another sneaky right hand This time he works over the shoulder for me.
0: In the entertainment capital of the world. Right now he backs off from a sharp right uppercut to the body by Tyson. Again,
2: a double right hand to the body and the chin. Down goes Lorenzo Boy. The count is five. The count is six. The count is eight. He will not get up. It's over. It's the T.C. Martin Show. The man is dangerous. He's dangerous. He's Stay. crazy. Uh, and don't give a damn button up. That's true.
0: He says, ah, come at you.
1: It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor.
0: Fighting out of the blue corner.
1: T.C. Martin. As
0: he hit him with that punch, I think his eyes went into separate orbits there. The doctor is now in... hour number two glad to have you with us tc Martin show along with ballpark vgk frank numchuk on the other side of the proverbial glass actual glass i should say there you have it oh yes it is a monday college basketball we've got that going on and don't forget 50 year anniversary of al e frazier great stuff and espn did a fantastic job of recreating that and analyzing it and uh 50 year anniversary of Ali Frazier won Madison Square Garden, March 8th, 1971. Al Bernstein will join us this hour, so hang tight for that for some memories regarding that special fight and one of the biggest fights in the history of sport. So look forward to reliving that. All right, Golden Knights continue to roll another easy victory. on Saturday night against the San Jose Sharks in San Jose, 4 nothing. They complete the back-to-back with the victories Friday night and Saturday. Golden Knights are on fire, Frank. Got to be loving this. And not only Golden Knights, and we don't usually talk too much about, about the Henderson Silver Knights, but they're on fire, too. What they, well, they're 10-1, and 1, right? No, they're playing
2: absolutely sensational. In fact, the uh, best team in the NHL and the AHL are both here. Right. In, in Las Vegas. I mean, one's technically Henderson, but they play the games at the Miles apart. so right now they're actually sure. uh, they are playing in Vegas this year, but yeah, and uh, and congratulations to uh, Gage Quinney. You might remember his father used to play with the Old Thunder, the first hat trick in Silver Knight history a uh, uh, game or so ago, so Silver Knight's playing well. Their game tonight has been postponed. No make-up date yet uh, put because uh, the team in Colorado, well, there's COVID issues there, so uh, that game will be postponed, and the Vegas Golden Knights have a couple people that uh, McNabb is a game-time decision, along with Mark Stone, So and then Robert, Robin Leonard also uh, were wondering about his status when he might be back. Remember, they put him on that long-term injured reserve, but they backdated that, so he's actual, uh, actually eligible. To my knowledge, he still hasn't hit the ice uh, as far as practicing and skating and that. But uh, Golden Knights certainly rolling right now. And how about that Marc-Andre Fleury? What's the old adage? Sometimes the best trades or the best deals you make are the ones you don't make. (laughs) How happy are the Golden Knights fans right now that they didn't get rid of Flower in the offseason? Oh, jeez. I was never a big proponent of that anyhow, especially in this season. And that Marc-Andre Fleury is playing absolutely sensational. Mm. And Alex Tuck might end up leading this team in
0: scoring the way he's going. Mm. This guy's a scoring machine all of a sudden. And you look at the captain, Mark Stone, getting the C on his chest and – uh, he's been fantastic as well, too. We talked about that five-assist game last week. Yeah, but but, him, but yeah. him
2: going down in that last game and, and leaving the ice in that, there, there's definitely a little bit of concern. There were some uh, people holding their breath a little bit right now. They're still holding their breath because they don't know exactly what's wrong with them.
0: All right. Golden Knights uh, still have four games away from T-Mobile Arena on this uh, road trip. So, And, again, uh, when they started this last week, 10 to the next 13 on the road. Doesn't seem to matter, though, Frank. Home or away, Golden Knights are rock-solid. Yeah, arguably, right now, the best team in the NHL.
2: Well, they have the best record there. It's hard to tell with everybody playing in their division. And again, I'm not trying to dampen the the hopes or anything like that. They do have the advantage of playing in a pretty bad division. Mm-hmm. Them and Colorado, to me, are the only two truly quality teams in St. Louis. That yeah, could still be good, but I, I'm still not completely
0: sold on them. All right. More Golden Knights talk coming your way, too. We'll talk a little baseball uh, as well later on in the program. But right now, Let's bring our good friend Al Bernstein, Showtime Championship Boxing, and, of course, the International Boxing Hall of Famer, a great friend. And as we talk the 50th anniversary of Ali Frazier, yes, it happened 50 years ago today, Madison Square Garden. Al Bernstein, what's going on, my friend? And where were you on March 8, 1971? Well, I was
1: at a theater um, in Chicago for the closed-circuit uh, viewing of the um – of the fight between Ali and Frazier and uh, uh along with a bunch of other people as they were cheering and excited about it. And back in then of course uh, uh, uh you know, we we had to go to a theater to see yes. these
0: things. Yeah, closer. So here's one for you, Al. Uh you take a wild guess here. You know, this was obviously this was like pre pay-per-view closed circuit, as you said. They called it back in the day, where you would have to go to a theater or yeah. uh, an arena or whatever, and they did show the fight worldwide. Do you know what the closed circuit gate was, uh, just in the United States? You want to take a wild Ooh. guess? Close circuit, what the uh, what the gross was just from wow. closed circuit? Wow,
1: you, you know, I don't know actually. Um, uh, take
0: a guess, and remember, nineteen oh seventy. 1970- the I'm going to
1: say. Let's see. I'm going to
0: say $80 million. Okay. Not a bad guess. Actually, it was $45 million. Oh, and, okay. And
1: yeah, well, I'm, I'm, you know what? I should factor in inflation and everything. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I don't um, know if you remember what you paid to go see that, but I know at that point in time, it was a pretty expensive ticket. And I don't remember exactly what that was. Yeah, but- you
1: know, it was doable though. It was, you know, wasn't uh, totally absurd. I remember, uh, but yeah, no. And of course, forty some million dollars back then is yeah. a monstrous amount of money. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it was a wildly successful promotion, that's for sure. And the whole world, you know, it felt like, uh, you know, back then it felt like the world stopped for this event. You know, there's a few kinds of events like that, and this one was was one of them you know and the world just it, it, it felt like everything everybody was focused in on this fight
0: and that's what i really want to touch on al because this was just more than a boxing match i mean th- there were political differences not just with muhammad ali but america really was divided about this over muhammad ali uh you know not electing to to go in the draft, the Vietnam War. He actually was uh, was sentenced to five years in prison. Didn't do any time. He was stripped of his title. He wasn't allowed to box for nearly three and a half years. And there was literally a country that was divided. And years yeah, earlier, changed know, his we... name and all that stuff. You know, from Cassius Clay to Muhammad Ali. I mean, this, like you said, this was more than boxing. I mean, people had kind of a even if they weren't boxing fans, they were they were they were intrigued. Either you you liked him, you supported him or you didn't support him, and I know Joe Frazier thought that uh, he was slighted big time.
1: Yeah, listen, it was a very, probably, you know, the, it, you talked about the division. Clearly the country was very divided. Clearly many people, you know, Ali was a, a polarizing figure who was a lightning rod for that. The collateral damage in all this was done to Joe Frazier, who I, uh, 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 knew very very well um, in his later years. I spent a lot of time around Joe Frazier at events, and uh, I did a bunch of things with him. Um, and that was a collateral damage because Ali, and this is this is, was not Ali's finest moment by any stretch, used Joe Frazier in a what some would describe a very cruel way um, to to not just to sell the fight, but to kind of highlight you know his own um you know the i i guess you know you might say make himself the uh the the fighter that uh, you know uh, the black uh, uh citizenry would uh would support uh and and in doing so, though he later said it was inadvertent, you know, he, he, he hurt Joe Frazier, hurt his family, and uh, went so far as to call him a gorilla and an Uncle Tom. And it was, you know, it was a very distressing time in that regard. And so while I admire Ali's social stance, and I think he was a phenomenal athlete, uh, I think in this situation, he did some, some serious harm and not necessary to do.
2: Well, and you know, well, it was interesting back then, too, and I know you and TC have touched on it with how divided the country was and that kind of stuff. It wasn't like there was any gray area necessarily from a cheering standpoint. I mean, the people back then... I remember being a kid in, in middle school at the time, and it was like you were either Team Ali or Team Frazier, and there right. were some people that refused to call Muhammad Ali. Some people still call them Cassius. They wouldn't even, you know, say that his name was Muhammad Ali back then, some of the yeah, one of Yeah,
1: one of the interesting and unfortunate things about this is that at the end of the day, it was a boxing match, a sporting event, and because of this, because it had taken such um, – overtones uh societally and you're right people were in two different camps you might just be a Joe Frazier fan I'm a perfect example I you know I was not involved in covering boxing I was just a fan I admired Ali's social viewpoint I agreed with Ali's social viewpoint I thought he was a great fighter but I was a Joe Frazier fan and so in that sense, I might not have fit with the, some of the demographics of some of the people that rooted for Joe Frazier, I would say for almost the wrong reasons. But what, what you had was this dichotomy, and it was very, very pronounced. Um, and in some ways, you know, it overshadowed what, what was an amazing sporting event. I mean, I, maybe I shouldn't say overshadowed because it was part of it, but, but the actual sporting event itself, was extraordinary, and what we ended up having were two astonishing fighters who made for a dream matchup in terms of styles create a brilliant fight.
0: And I don't know if you got a chance to watch ESPN's uh, production of this, where they digitized this, and I thought it came across very, very well, Al. Plus, they showed some of the uh, the great footage there with Howard Cosell interviewing them, uh, both Frazier and Ali together. And those of us that are old enough and kind of remember that Wide World of Sports episode that was that was some crazy stuff too. And uh, yeah, it, really it really took was. it really and, took you know, us back.
1: Yeah, and you talk about Cosell, but here's when that fight was being uh, held. They didn't know who was going to announce it. And, F- and Cosell was in the running, and they ultimately ended up with Don Dunphy, who, of course, was the, perhaps the greatest boxing announcer of all time, depending on your viewpoint, but he certainly is one of the greatest. And uh, a mentor of mine, a great man. And one of the other things is that the guys that were promoting that, Jerry Perenchio, uh and Jack Ken Cook, Parencio was a Hollywood guy. They wanted movie stars on the pay-per-view or the the closed circuit and in fact Burt Lancaster did the broadcast with Don Dunphy but Don Dunphy made it part of the deal that Burt Lancaster could not talk during the rounds. He could only talk in between the rounds or after, because he didn't want a movie star announcing the fight with him. And and Don told me there was a time when Don, when the Lancaster got excited and was starting to talk, and he put his hand. They were using hand mics. Put his hand over the mic to stop him from talking.
0: And Archie Moore was part of that. He was the third guy there, yes. and, and Archie g- barely got a chance to talk as well. So that was, yeah, it, he didn't get too much in either. But
1: uh, it was yeah, it was interesting. That's a great down, story. Of uh, was uh, one of the great voices in boxing, so he did justice to that fight for sure.
0: You know, people talk about Ali, and you mentioned now perfect point that it was not Ali's finest moment. I mean, he was coming; he really wasn't. Well, he was coming off that three-year layoff where he fought, still fought two fights after that layoff before this fight. So it wasn't that he was cold, and one of those was against Jerry Corey, But yes. this fight was one-sided. It was all smoking Joe Frazier. Well, I don't know.
1: I mean, yes, but well, not I, not totally. I think some good things in the fight Uh, you know he he, I think Joe Frazier definitely won the fight there's no question about that Uh, but Ali was able to have good moments in the fight um, but clearly wasn't exactly the same fighter he had been you know before the layoff but there's no question Joe Frazier won the fight and uh, but Ali was able to to do some things and, and that's part of the reason why it was a great fight because their matchup was so scintillating
0: You can go back, and if you watch this fight, uh, rounds three and four were probably two of the best rounds that you may ever see in boxing. Rounds 11 and 12 was phenomenal. That's where Frazier really uh, took it upon himself and kind of imposed his will against Ali. It sounds kind of strange to say that, but that round 11, he rocked Ali, uh, nearly knocked him down. He landed 70% of his shots in round 11, 61 power punches in rounds 11 and 12, and then he finally uh, you knocked down Ali in in round fifteen, and I remember Al back in those days. You know we didn't have the the scorecards of like one forty five to one forty one, right. like because it was fifteen rounds, but it, it was a round system. And yeah, uh, they
1: used the round system, yeah. and you won by rounds. And um, you know that eleventh round, how Ali got through the eleventh round is beyond my comprehension. Right. And the knockdown in the fifteenth, the part that's amazing about that is. Joe Frazier landed as good a left hook as he can land. Ali went down, and the most amazing thing is that he got up at the count of three, I think. You know, right. it, was, it was astonishing how quickly he got up. Joe Frazier, you know, uh, when he gets his engine rev, uh, and, and I think it people need to understand that Joe Frazier was a skilled fighter. You know, just because he was aggressive doesn't mean he wasn't skilled. He honed his style. Uh, to perfection, and you know he and Ali made a per- perfect match because Ali had the jab he was bigger taller uh, you know he had good movement, even though is that was the fight where coming back he didn't uh, show as much movement as he had earlier in his career before the layoff but but they were just such a perfect match for each other in terms of style uh, in the ring, and that fight you know demonstrated it and and you know they Their first and third fights, Uh, the second one not so much, but the first and third fights that Ali put on were um, two of the most extraordinary nights the sport of boxing has ever seen.
0: No doubt about it. Fought three times, like Al said. Al Bernstein joins us, and the scorecards that night were 11 rounds to four, nine rounds to six and uh eight six and one and arthur Mercani, who was the referee actually was a was the judge because back in those days yeah. the referee uh was a judge as well and he had his his scorecard in his like back right pocket which is totally unusual for you know yeah. modern day people that watch boxing but that's the way it was back then
1: yeah they're very different and uh and as you say it was a round system and uh you know i i the, the, I I thought the 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 11 rounds for Frazier might have been a little too generous but right, no right. question yeah. no question he won the fight uh won the majority of the rounds and uh and you know it was a simulating effort and you know Ali had the, one thing that happened in all three of the Ali Frazier fights is Ali would have Really good success early in the fight against Frazier, keeping his distance, landing good straight right hands, even stunning Joe on a couple of occasions in in all three fights in the beginning part of the fight. Once Joe Frazier got himself going, in each of the fights he started uh, making things happen, and uh, and in this fight he got started early enough to um, you know to get the win, and uh, uh, and uh, you know I think one of the the, the things about this fight that, when I look back on it, that's so remarkable to me is that we saw in, in these two fighters, each of them present a certain style and do it as well as you can do it. And, uh, you, and showing the grit and determination that you know, we know was their hallmark.
2: You know, well, now everybody remembers Muhammad Ali, and he's the iconic figure, and he's beloved by most people out there. We mentioned how back then that wasn't necessarily so. I mean, half the world seemed to love him, half the world seemed to to not like him or whatever, but would Muhammad Ali ever have been the Muhammad Ali we know today without a Joe Frazier? Because usually when you are that great and you're that uh, iconic in your sport or what you do, you have to have that one opponent or something. And certainly he had other ones as well, but Frazier Ali is the one that everybody remembers and what really made the marquee.
1: Well, Joe Frazier added a lot to their rivalry. That's for sure. And, uh, and while You know, Ali was going to be a worldwide figure no matter what. Within the boxing world, the idea of the the ali frazier rivalry is what I think kind of helps set set apart the Ali career because those are defining moments that are so special and so amazing. And there is no question, you know, what Joe Frazier brought to that rivalry was very, very special. And, you know, obviously he, he you know, people... Discuss. I mean, many people that know him and discuss uh, boxing historians that discuss him understand that he would be obscured by the, um, you know, uh, and uh, and the sunlight of him would be blocked by Ali because he was such a um, a large figure, uh, not just in boxing but in the world. Uh, As a whole, but uh, for anybody that follows the sport or understands boxing, they understand that uh, Joe Frazier brought a lot to that rivalry and uh, Ali himself, uh, you know, acknowledged that.
0: Al Bernstein, the hall of famer joined us now. uh, Like you mentioned Al, you were watching that at a closed-circuit venue in Chicago. Al was only a teenager at that time, so that was before he actually got in, into the business. But uh, let's go back a little bit, Al, and you, you, know, you are known for you know, a lot of people as you know, the boxing guru, and you spent a majority of your career doing boxing, but it really didn't start uh, with boxing. You did all sports. You worked for ESPN. You covered basically a plethora of, of things. How much did that fight at that point in 1971 really kind of propel you to the boxing business and, and getting into broadcasting boxing?
1: Well, I, yeah, you know, I, as a young man, uh, I, you know, the first time I got interested in boxing was I was a nine year old watching Johansson and Floyd Patterson. Right. And then that transitioned into Muhammad Ali. So my, you know it, excitement of the sport and interest in it uh really had a lot to do with the young the the earlier years of volley and then joe frazier as well you know and so this fight was was a catalyst for me because uh because uh, number one i idolized don dunphy so watching him as a youngster i idolized him and i was fortunate enough in later life to get to know him and have him be a mentor so it was a it was you know wonderful, but him doing that fight, and seeing that fight, and sitting there and experiencing that, you know, for me, I said, you know what, this would be a great way to spend my life, you know, I would love to be involved in this, and so it was one of the, uh, you know, formulating moments for me uh, as far as wanting to to be involved in the sport, and, uh, I, I, you know, I think that It's no different than, you know, I've talked to many performers, you know, entertainers who uh, attended, you know, a a show uh, or or a movie, and they said, that's for me, you know, and that was what I was thinking at the time.
2: When you look at that fight and you look at it now 50 years ago, is there anything that you could put in today's boxing world or anything that could reach that type of magnitude as far as the, the media coverage, the importance of it and everything else? Or was that just kind of the perfect storm with everything going on in the country and the world and then these two fighters being so polarizing yet such uh, opposite in a lot of people's mind that it just all came together at the perfect moment?
1: Yeah, I think that, that's, part of, that's a big part of it. I, I think it would be very difficult to duplicate what happened then? For a couple of different reasons. One, because of the larger p- figure in la- uh, picture, because Ali was a transcendent uh, figure, because he had this amazing rival, and because boxing is not, is more of a niche sport now. So if you look at all of those things, uh, it would be a difficult, uh, thing to achieve and maybe partially because it was such a lightning rod as we said uh in terms of culture and politics we don't it might be hard for any sporting event to duplicate that um again you know uh and 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 there was so much involved in that uh and i know people probably they're young people saying well you know maybe you everybody's kind of overstating this on this 50th anniversary because they're nostalgic about it and that would be you know a reasonable thing to think but in reality it was in fact the kind of event that we're describing it was it was uh you know uh, uh, really a uh uh, I think the kind of event that, as you point out, can only come along uh, once in a generation.
0: And for people that don't fully understand it, if you get a chance to watch that the ESP, ESPN production that they did of this, the digitized version, I mean, you go back, this fight, and you saw it live, Al, you know, that th- these were heavyweights, That were just throwing volumes of punches, and this is 15 rounds. I mean, we haven't seen heavyweights that go to war like this in a long, long time. And these were the type of heavyweight fights that we saw where people, you know, in that generation, they were used to seeing. And it's just phenomenal just to see these guys take this kind of punishment. Even Andre Ward said, "I don't know if he could have taken that type of punishment uh, in those, you know, rounds 13, 14, and 15." It was just is phenomenal. I don't think we're understating it or underselling it at all I mean that's how special no, it was part,
1: part of what you're saying there and it's true you had these two practitioners uh, of their style of boxing who did it as well as anyone's ever done it and so you had that going on plus they were both extraordinary athletes plus they were both extraordinary fighters in general uh, and both had an enormous will to win um, you know, and when you put all that in the hopper, what you end up with is a classic fight. And the irony of this is, as their first fight was fought on a higher skill level than the third fight, but wasn't as exciting as it was, wasn't even as exciting as the Thrill and Miller, their third fight. Right. Um, but it was fought at such a high skill level, um, and was certainly wildly exciting. That you look back on it, and uh, you know it—it was—it was really amazing.
0: Here's the thing for Al—you could maybe you can answer this question because I—I don't know a lot of people know the answer to this. But after that fight in '71, Ali fought 13 times after that before he fought Frazier again. And again, they fought so much more often. The next fight was in 1974. What took so long? for them to, to fight. Why did three years go past in 13 fights for Ali?
1: Well, there was a lot happening. I mean, Frazier lost his title to George Foreman. Uh, you know, Ali had a number of... Also, uh, Ali had lost, ended up losing to Kenny Norton, so he had to fight him again. Uh, there were a lot of just, you know, situations that happened that, that kind of delayed them fighting, you know. Uh, and so, like, for instance, had, had, had Joe Frazier beaten George Foreman... I think we might have seen the Ali Frazier uh, rematch sooner. Um, they probably would have, he would have had maybe one more fight, and then there would have been a, 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 an Ali uh, Frazier fight sooner. But it didn't happen. And then, of course, time went on, and they even got to the third fight. Uh, but yeah, the heavyweight. The uh, picture was very fluid then because of George Foreman entering the picture, and the, you talk about them fighting. I mean, Ali fought, but Ali, the year the year before Ali got um, banished from the sport of boxing, he had fought uh, five or six times, and had already in the year when he got banished in March uh, had already fought twice that year. And that's part of the interesting thing in the two and a half years or almost three that he was out of the sport. Ali would have had at least eight or nine fights, which is intriguing. Um, I mean, he just they 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 were much more active than uh, the boxers are today.
0: Final thing on this, uh, a lot was made about these guys going to the hospital afterwards and then in that Howard Cosell interview on Wide World of Sports where they decided to sit, you know, have Howard sit on the far right side and Allie and Frazier next to each other. And I know that the the directors thought, OK, this could be a little bit dangerous because they did this five days prior to their second fight in 74. Right. and. There was this contentious thing about going to the hospital. These guys got in this argument about it. And then Ali says, what are you talking about? You were in the hospital for a month to to Frazier. And Frazier didn't take kind of that. He goes, I was there for 10 minutes. And we know that this fight really took its toll more, even though Frazier won the fight, it took it more on Joe and in and his body, and, that, and he was really kind of really never the same guy, but then Ali called him ignorant, and then that just lit Joe Frazier up, and then they started this skirmish, which some people thought that it was, they were clowning around, but it happened to be real, and Cosell just, just sat there and kind of did play-by-play at that point in time, but that was a very intense scene, all talking about you know going to the hospital here.
1: Yeah, no, that was the uh, that incident uh, and I as I said I spent a lot of time with Joe Frazier uh, you know in his later years believe me when I tell you Joe Frazier never uh, buried the hatchet with Muhammad Ali and never even came close to burying the hatchet and and, and 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 the interesting thing is Ali never himself said to Joe Frazier uh I'm sorry about things or I, I i didn't do it for malicious reasons he said it to other people who then recounted it to joe fraser so for fraser he you know he it was very hard for him to get past it and that incident you know i think is a a graphic reminder of the fact that they never came together uh, you know after uh after the initial uh, issues that they had, and uh, and that you know that was, uh, I think Joe was a proud man, and uh, you know he that struck at his pride, and uh, and and he was not going to have any of it.
2: Well, I know that you said that you were kind of on a team Joe Frazier when you were younger, and that. Did he also encourage you, or, or was he an inspiration for you as as far as getting into the lounge acts and stuff like that? Because because I remember Joe because <laughs> I remember Joe Frazier in the knockouts. Did you ever get to perform <laughs> with him together on stage? You no, know, but I'm going to tell you a
1: funny story. My wife. Uh, uh, performed as of course she was a singer for 40 years performed at several benefits with Joe Fraser before I ever met her or knew her uh and and inadvertently tripped coming down from a uh, they were all both backstage and she tripped and and almost stabbed him in the stomach <laughs> with a uh, remember those those uh, um th- those uh, uh combs that had the real sharp tip on the end yes <laughs> so, yes so she and, and he kind of went down to one knee and I, I after she accidentally did that to him and i always tell my wife she was able to do what muhammad ali was never able to do to joe frazier <laughs> knock him down
0: those are called picks back in the day al the pick everyone had a pick there you go <laughs>
1: the picks that's right and she was coming down for the good and good on stage, and her heel caught and she stabbed joe frazier in the stomach oh. and uh He went down to one knee. So, luckily, Joe never held that against me later. I don't know if he knew that was Connie, who I would later marry.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. He's Al Bernstein. Great memories, uh, Al. We appreciate you spending time with us today. And don't forget, Al will be on the coverage Saturday night. Uh, David Benavidez. We've seen him here in Las Vegas several times against Ronald Ellis Showtime Championship Boxing. Six o'clock. It all starts here in Las Vegas. Uh, Al, so you're back on the road again getting those frequent flyer miles. Uh, This is going to be a good fight. Yeah, Saturday night
1: at from the uh, Mohegan Sun. Uh, and uh, uh, David Benavidez is one of the most entertaining and interesting fighters who uh, was a 168-pound champion. He lost his title on the scales, has never lost it in the ring. And he is trying to get back... Into uh, perhaps being the man to fight Canelo uh, down the road here or fighting Jamal Charlo. And David Benavides is really a, a 24. I think somebody that now that he's really back in the fray is a tough man. Uh, to be and Ronald Ellis is a very good fighter who should test him, and we got a triple header, so it should be a lot of fun. And uh, looking forward to uh, getting back in harness.
0: There you go, and don't forget uh, Al Bernstein, unplug the podcast, give that a plug, and uh, and uh, how? Do well, I- yeah, and I uh, the,
1: as a matter of fact, my next episode of it, which will uh, uh, be out um, this coming Friday, and then we'll also be on a, a number of TV networks that carry the show. We're going to have Snoop Dogg as a guest.
0: There it is. That's-
1: yeah, so uh, that's going to be a fun show. I guarantee you, I did the interview with him. Believe me, it's a fun interview.
0: All right. See, I, I figured Chuck would have some Snoop music for us uh, as we announced that. Because I remember we talked about it a couple weeks ago, and uh, you you teased it. Now it's here. Uh, we're looking forward to that. So- yeah,
1: it should be fun. He's a great guy. And, uh, uh, and of course, he's starting up a, uh, a fight. It's called Fight Club, where they're going to – and starting on April 17th, which uh, – uh i may very well be involved in and uh, it's going to be a, a fun uh, a fun series
0: all right good stuff al all right my friend we'll let you get back to it really appreciate you spending time with us today on this uh, anniversary and talking about ali frazier one my friend good stuff all right take care bye-bye there he is I, I just can't get over the fact that if
2: al would have been with connie back then he might have been the one that coined the frame
0: down goes frazier <laughs> exactly good point yeah <laughs> Because a lot of people remember down goes Frazier, but it didn't happen on that night, March eighth, nineteen seventy one. No, he, it was all smoking Joe Frazier that night, and uh, man, again, if you get a chance to go watch that, the the volume of punches, the brutality with that fight, and Joe Frazier. I mean, he just kicked the you know what out of Ali that night. Now, again, Ali won the two pr- fights, uh, you know, against Frazier later on, but. Uh, yeah, give Joe Frazier credit.
2: And who knows what a one three if they weren't fifteen round fights back
0: then. Mm-hmm. Very good point. There it is. All right. Yeah, check out Al Bernstein this weekend on Showtime Championship Boxing. Also, Al Bernstein unplug does a great job uh, on that the podcast and the television so- show. Snoop Dogg, Alan Snoop Dogg. That's where the price of admission right there. I just does Martha Stewart make a guest appearance? <laughs> I hope her not. and Snoop Dogg seem like
2: they're pretty close these days.
0: <laughs> Uh, all right, we come back. We got some baseball news to talk about as well, too. Mm, possibly fans coming back to the ballpark. We'll hit that. TC Martin, ballpark Frank right here on a Monday.
1: Get wrecked with the doctor, TC Martin.
0: Don't forget to join us Friday at the Cosmopolitan. You can come on out and see the show live from the sportsbook powered by William Hill. Your opportunity to get the mobile app as well, too. Use that promo code TC50 for that. Also, we got plenty of promo codes that we're dishing out. We've got the CBD with RVD. If you haven't checked that out yet, go to the website RVDCBD.com. You can get 21% off by using the show promo code RVD. 21% off of all your cannabis needs. Nunchuck swears by it. Everybody I know swears by it. So there you go. He likes the yummy gummies. The, the yummy gummies. That's true. <laughs> Did you ever eat your yummy gummies? They're still in my house. Yeah. <laughs> You're kind of afraid, aren't you? I
2: wouldn't You say can say afraid. that. I wouldn't say afraid. Okay. I'm um, leery. See? I know. I'm you same, can yeah. do it. I'm the same way. You know, again, right. I've never partaked it, it, in that yes I can do it it's not a question of ability it's a question of
0: desire right, there, you <laughs> there you go but uh, I'll tell you what the cream I have actually used the cream it's fantastic RVD does a great job uh, with this did a lot of research and uh, all of these uh, elements are fantastic and uh, if you got any type of pain or just want to have some fun check it all out at RVDCVD can I have some fun? no? why not? It's, it's fun to eat gummies what are you talking about?
2: what? What if you have nothing but pain? Can you just like just <laughs> lay in a whole tub of it or something?
0: <laughs> Could be like Lizzo and uh, lay in some, uh, a bath uh, tub full of Skittles. Could do that. Do you have to bring your own flute? <laughs> <laughs> oh, mercy. Mirrors. Use that promo code 21% off. TCRVD at RVDCBD.com. Say that three times real fast that three times real fast there you go <laughs> <You're> <laughs> a part of that, do you? too, <laughs> too, too small. many oh. damn abbreviations and it, 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 it's like the alphabet show okay <laughs> raise your hand if uh, you watch the nba all-star night not the all-star weekend because it was all condensed into yesterday which is fine so we had the skills competition the three-point contest the slam dunk contest at halftime and then the all-star game itself <laughs> There it is. I'm
2: gonna have to channel my inner
0: drago and go nit. Okay. So I did record the whole thing so that way I could fast forward through everything, right? And of course, where did I do? I stopped right at the three point contest. That was fabulous. And we had talked about it last week. That's that before be the, the game, right? Correct. So they did the skills competition, then they did the three point contest, and then the game started. And uh, then at halftime, they did the slam dunk contest. So. Three-point contest was phenomenal. Of course, it was phenomenal because you had Steph Curry, the best shooter on the planet, and Steph Curry won in amazing fashion, defeating Mike Conley uh, by one at the end. Last money ball, last rack from the right corner. And when you have some of the best three-point shooters in the game, and you have these superstars, and you have the all-stars, which you had in that, which you didn't have in the slam dunk contest— and even in the game itself, you had a, a good roster, but you had some people that were missing. You know, some people, you know, failed their protocols, so they didn't get a chance to, part- to partake. Right. And, and it's but not East West anymore.
2: They pick the teams uh, or whatever. You see so I'm not behind there's that. no rhyme nor reason to how anybody's on a team. Right. It's it's literally a pickup basketball game with the greatest players on the planet. Correct. And Steph Curry might have won the three-point contest, but how many did he bank in? Yeah. Because Giannis
0: did, and he got the MVP during the game for it. And Steph was 8 for 16 (laughs) in the game yesterday, had 28 points. And, of course, they gave Giannis the the MVP. He didn't call bank. Yeah. But but (laughs) Steph Curry, I was so glad that this is not beneath him, you know, to go ahead and do these contests, to do the three-point contest. Because having him in there, it makes it watchable, makes you want to watch it. And then when he wins it, It just puts a stamp of approval, if anybody has any doubt, that he is, if not the best player in the NBA, I mean, number two, number three, or whatever. And again, you know how I feel. I'll I'll take him over LeBron James, anybody, because the guy can score from anywhere. And they added the Mountain Dew um, you know, as part of it with the green ball, which I go, okay, this is going to be kind of goofy. But what they did with the the racks, six feet beyond... um, the the arc, you got two Mountain Dew balls, one from the right side, one from the left side. And, of course, Steph nailed both of those in the championship round as well, too. So, you yeah, do the math. That's from 35 feet. And then in the game, yesterday, he took one dribble beyond half court. Oh, nothing but net. So, it's really cool that he is not beneath that like a lot of other people say. Nah, I'm not going to compete in slam dunk I'm not going to pe- compete in the three-point shootout. So, good for Steph. That was the highlight, not the game, definitely not the slam dunk contest because you couldn't name any of the three guys that were in the slam dunk contest. And, of course, it was goofy.
2: Well, no, I agree with you. And and the other thing, to to your point and to Steph's credit, by agreeing to be in that three-point shooting contest, he had nothing to gain. Correct. All he had to do was to lose. Because if he doesn't win it, they go, oh, greatest shooter of all time, greatest shooter of the game today and that. He didn't win the three-point contest. He put himself out there where basically if he doesn't win, it looks like a loss in a lot of people's eyes. Right. So just to get in there, be that marquee name, and say, yeah, I am the man, you know, to channel his inner Ric Flair, you know, to be the man, you got to beat the man Well, nobody could beat the man. I mean, Steph Curry, you know, he, he put it all on his shoulders, and he embraced it, and he enjoyed it, and he won.
0: No, it was fantastic. And, again, he had, what, 31 points in the, the first round. Then I, I think he ended up with 29, beat Mike Conley by, by one bucket. You're right. He had everything to lose. And he just said, you know, I'm going to go out here and have fun. And you could see that he was a little bit nervous. He was stretching there and that sort of thing. Again, immense pressure on him. Immense. But he got the job. And when Conley went out there and just shot the lights out, even I was saying, I don't know if Steph can do this. And again, it's like, and here's the thing. He won in 2015, and he's been in other three-point shootouts, and he hasn't won. This is the first time he's won in in six years. And I think a lot of people think, well, every time he enters, he wins. And that hasn't been the case at all. But. Just immense pressure, and it was really great to see him, you know, deliver, you know, on that big stage because you're that that is a great point. Had everything to lose there. So, uh, yeah, did you get a chance to see any of the All-Star game at all?
2: I I saw some of the highlights here and there. I was waiting for a buddy last night. Uh, We met up downtown, and then he took some of his friends back to his place, and we met up at the – actually went to the Gold Coast and hung out over there for a little bit. So I was watching some of it while I was was waiting for him. I mainly saw some of the slam dunk stuff. And, again, the slam dunks are creative in that. I mean, you know, this and that. But there's only so much you can do. There are guys that you don't know because they're not the marquee players like you mentioned. They're not going to be in there. And I'm not trying to – if you still love the slam dunk contest, cool for you, I'm glad. And some guys have gone on to win that thing and have become decent players in that. But to me it's something that's just outlived its 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 usefulness and its its excitement and
0: everything else out there. Yeah. You I know?
2: The, the the slam dunkers that you wanna see are the ones that are now the judges.
0: Right. <laughs> and and again, no one wants to risk that. Again, it's always first year players, second year players. I mean, you rarely see any veterans that jump into the slam dunk contest. And when you can miss, it's not the same. There there it is, exactly. And that's the beauty about the three point contest is you got to make it to win it. And again, it's on a time factor. And I think you know the slam dunk contest lost me years and years ago for two reasons. One is. Again, you set the bar high when you had Michael Jordan, you had Dominique Wilkins, and then you had the novelty stuff, which was kind of cool at the time with Spud Webb, Nate Robinson. Okay, but you still had dynamic dunkers. And again, shout out to my guy, Darnell Hillman, who won the very first ever, you know, beating Dr. J in Portland in 77, when it all started, when you know they did it at halftime of the game and didn't even really show it live. Want well, to remember before yeah. the NBA when the ABA used to do it. Exactly. When it was Dr. J
2: against David Thompson yep. and Dan Issel and, and guys Hill. like that. Right. And, you know, yep. I mean, you know, that's that's one of the things oh, we're never going to do anything the ABA does. Okay, you didn't do the red white and blue basketball. You did the slam dunk contest. You incorporated the three-point line. Yeah, you did take stuff from right.
0: the ABA. Yeah. But again, when you so when you lose the luster of not having the marquee guys, that loses it for me and a lot of fans. But then when you allow them to miss and you have too many rounds, I mean, that's why the three-point shootout is great. You get five competitors, then they narrow it down to the top three, and then, boom, it's done. I mean, you got the whole contest done in a half hour. But when you allow guys to, oh, well, that's a mulligan. Oh, there's another mulligan. And you have multiple rounds, it loses its luster. Penalize them if they miss. Plain simple. You're eliminated. And, again, you know, just, you know, Try it again and try it again. It's just the pace of that is nonsense. And and by the way, my opinion only, you can agree or
2: disagree, if you've missed a dunk once or twice and then you make it, you can't get 10s across the board for it. I agree. Because you're not perfect. You've already missed it. So, no, it doesn't have the same wow factor. You make it the first time, you go, wow. You make it on your second or third attempt, you go, okay, well you can get it done, but you're like those, you know, Jabronis that we see on all these TV commercials doing all these trick shots and that. How many takes did it take before they got the one?
0: Right. Exactly. He has no pace whatsoever. it's lost its luster. And and a lot of people think that, oh, I'm gonna to be too picky here, but you know what really has always irritated me about this contest is these guys that are running down the court. No. Dribble the basketball like you would in a game. I don't want to see a guy running because you lose it for me right there because at what point in time do you ever see anybody running, for you know, uh, 14 steps to go take off at the free throw line? Dribble. Okay, dribble. Why do you feel you have to carry a basketball and run? It looks so stupid. It has no place in the game of basketball, obviously, so why are we going to put in the slam dunk contest? Do stuff that you would do in the game, all right? Don't allow it. Irritates the heck out of me. Yeah,
2: I don't know. You see some of these guys today, and they take one dribble from the half court line, and they don't get called for traveling. So <laughs> I, don't that, I don't know if it's that un- uh, unusual. No, you make it's, it up. It looks no, no, stupid. no. I, I agree with you. It, it totally it looks does. Stupid. It, it's, it's not a dunk if you're running with it. Yes. You know. Then, then, then put a mini trampoline at the top of the circle or something, and do that, and just make it the total halftime show that you have these acrobats doing. There
0: you go. All right. Wow. Dunk over buckets like at the Aces game, which I never understood that. You've got shoot over buckets as he's jumping on a trampoline, and you have to shoot the ball from the free throw line.
2: Put the mini yeah. trampoline and, yeah. let, and let all the team's mascots do it and yeah. watch love, watch them do face plants uh, all over. I'd be more apt to watch that today.
0: I, I love watching Steph Curry. The three-point contest was great, but I'm sure glad the All-Star thing is over. How, how about this? We take the dunkers.
2: And you know how all these mass singers and mass dancers that are on TV? We have guys dunk, and then you try to figure, who was it that did that amazing dunk? The mass dunk? Dunker. There's a new in, show. In, in, there it is. In, in the King Kong outfit or the Godzilla <laughs> contest or something like that. He takes it off as like, oh, it's Dominique Wilkins. I mean,
0: That'd be you cool. know, let's,
2: let's do the mass
0: Dunker. There it is. Frank's going with a new reality <laughs> show. There you go. Breaking news in baseball. You're going to be happy about this. I know I'm happy about this. Chicago is lifting some restrictions in time for opening day, allowing fans to attend games at Wrigley Field and, I hate to even say this, Guaranteed Rate right Field. Yeah, that's what. The old comiskey is called now. Yeah, whatever. White Sox Guaranteed Park, rate? Yeah, that's why it's been that way the last few years. Guaranteed I, rate field. I yeah. remember when they first built
2: cellular one and then I just qu- at that point I just i d I'm done. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. I'm cellular done. was
0: bad. now guaranteed rate field. But at any rate, let's talk about it. we'll stick to Wrigley Field. We'll stick to the North side. Okay, for the real team here, all right. Yeah, first time in more than a year, fans will get a chance to go to Wrigley Field. They're gonna allow uh twenty five percent fans go. The rules announced uh, today by Mayor Lori Lightfoot's administration. Is Lori related to Gordon by any any chance? I do not know. (laughs) (laughs) Go Cubs go. You know how many fans will be singing Go Cubs go at Wrigley Field in April? Let's see. There's what, about 36,000 at Wrigley or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 8,274 fans will be allowed into Wrigley Field. Okay. Holy cow. That's right. So the Cubs opener is April 1st. There you go. April Fool's Day. White Sox, yeah, back burner. April 8th. That's their opener. Their home opener. Home opener. They
2: open on the road, obviously.
0: Yeah, that's what we're telling you. But fans in Chicago. Right. So there you go. Yeah, Mayor Lightfoot saying, let's get fans back to Wrigley Field. So that's good news. Maybe Gordon will do the seventh inning stretch. (laughs) (laughs) Gordon Lightfoot. He like eighty now or something. Is he still alive? I don't, I don't know. know. I th- I think he actually performed. I take think he care. he actually
2: a year or so ago performed downtown at the uh, Golden Nugget because I got tickets for a friend of mine whose girlfriend wanted to go. I kind of remember that. So yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're actually older than me. Yeah. So there are people older than me out there. So because <laughs> they were
0: like, oh, you want to go with? uh no, really don't. I, that's why, I asked if you wanted the tickets. All right, there it is. Blake Griffin. Averaging 12 points uh, per season. He's signed with the Nets now. There you go. Detroit. And I saw out. somebody
2: post the Nets have to be the favorite now. And you talk about when the slam dunk contest lost me. It lost me when he won and he did that weak jump over the car that was just over the hood. Thank you. I'm sorry. That wasn't a winning dunk. That wasn't a 10. If you gave a 10 for that, you are no longer a judge.
0: All right. Tomorrow, Terrible Tuesday, join us. I will have my review of coming to America. What do you think of that? That'll be
2: fun. You well, got to exchange your Zamunda money before you Zimunda! come in
0: here? Yes. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, I've got some thoughts on that. I got a chance to watch it last night. Are so. you bringing in the bathers? Uh, <laughs> to wash my royal. Check All out the website. <laughs>